Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report for week commencing 11th of January 2021. Welcome back to the best podcast in the whole world. We're starting the new year incredibly positively at Doing Grain. The chat today is going to be between Ben Webby and myself. We're discussing Brexit, the deal that was done on the brink of Christmas. I'll be eating some hat. A very positive start to the new year as far as we're concerned. Prices, well, they're just at the magic level, aren't they? So we'll start with oilseed rape, £380 a tonne. Old crop, amazing rally on soya beans and oilseed markets. So 380 plus bonuses takes you well into the 400s. And the new crop price for oilseed rape is 350 harvest movement, which again is probably looking, with the way the crops are looking, like it's going to go a bit higher than that possibly. But what a great place to start. Then we go on to, what's the next positive thing? Well, the most exciting thing is £200 a tonne, X farm for feed wheat. Here we are. A number of people have traded at that level. We phoned everybody up. We actually worked the Christmas week because we're not like those lazy old big corporate organisations who go off for 14 days and come back and wonder where everybody is. We sat here, we phoned farmers up, £200 a tonne, we booked up lots of tonnage. Happy farmers. It's a great moment. There's bits and pieces left to trade over the top of that, but it's been a very, very buoyant start to the new year, and everybody is, if we could meet them and see their happy little faces, I'm sure they'll all be smiling with these great prices. A new crop, well, we'll touch on the reasons why the market's up in our chat, but let's face it, the Brexit deal hasn't got tariffs, so consequently the prospects for next year's grain, we will have a surplus of wheat in the UK, but there's now a place it can go. We can safely say we'll be able to export it. So if that's the case, there's no longer the consumer driving the bus. They're suddenly going, "Uh uh-oh, we're going to have to be nice to people again because there isn't going to be a surplus hanging over everybody. We're cheap relatively, so if the Dutch or the Irish want to buy some feed wheat, there's a very high chance they'll come to the UK to buy it. So that means you've got an outlet, and consequently new crop prices have gone up. To harvest time, if you take November to be 160x, that's the benchmark for next season, so it's gone up. Happy days. Finally, and most impressively, feed barley. Obviously, again, with the export suddenly available to us there's been boats already traded and moved out of the country since the start of the new year and just about everybody seems to have sold a feed barley boat so there's lots of interest to buy feed barley the price is 150 pounds a ton plus depending on how close you are to a port and the consumers who are possibly going to increase the amount of barley in their grist if they possibly can because it's such a big discount to wheat you know 40 pound discount is a lot of money they're going to have to pay a bit more for it as well. So it is very, very buoyant. It is a seller's market on feed barley at the moment. The only downside is probably malting barley, which obviously due to the lockdown, lack of consumption, etc., 
we would expect to see a lot less malting barley used and there will be a little bit surplus of that. But if you end up selling your malting barley as feed at 150 odd pounds a tonne, that's about 30 quid, 20 quid better than the harvest prices were anyway. So you've won on that one. So if ever there was a positive podcast on market report aspect to start the new year, here it is. Happy New Year and let's hope it remains as buoyant and as cheerful as that ongoing. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. The Dewing Grain app will keep you updated with real-time industry news, data analysis and insights into the market, giving you all the information you need to make informed trading decisions. A commodity selling feature enables you to source prices and receive direct offer notifications informing you on what Dewing Grain are looking to buy and at what price. Search Dewing Grain on the App Store or Google Play to download and with all of these features in your pocket, you'll have more time to sit back and listen to our podcast. To set up a trading account with us, call 01263 731 or email info at And now it's time for Farm Chat. This morning I have the brains of the organisation, Ben and Webby. I'm not going to say which one's got the brains. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> One of them's got long COVID. <laughs> One of them is looking remarkably healthy considering. And we're here to discuss the Brexit deal as much as anything else and where we start the new year. I've just done a, a very positive market report. So we're going to... I think it's very important to, unlike Donald Trump, who has not accepted losing the election and just... Now people uh, are dead. Yeah, he's... Oh, well, anyway, he should go to prison. Anyway, I am going to admit I was wrong. I was very wrong. The Brexit deal, I've been the most sceptical, miserable, niggly little shitbag about ever since the vote went through. Focusing purely and simply on the agricultural sector, and more importantly, on the most important aspect, the cereal sector... We've got a future. We've got exports can occur. I was convinced we would have tariffs. I was convinced that we would get absolutely hammered. And I've said that so many times, and I was completely wrong. So I've got to eat my hat without any dressing. Well, I'm going to counter that argument. You're right, Andrew. We got a deal. It's a good deal. It benefits us, no doubt. But actually, there are a few warning signs coming out from various committees in the House of Commons, that the deal actually doesn't have as much of a longevity as people thought, and that if tariffs are placed on any goods, things can escalate very fast and overnight. So it's not as solid as everyone thought. Well, that's exactly it. Some tariffs can be introduced at a later day, isn't it? It's very vague from what I was reading. Yeah, but I'm teaching the President of the United States humbleness, because he probably listens to this podcast. And I'm teaching him that, you know, if you call something, i.e. there will be tariffs on exports of cereals, and there are not, there have been boats that have sailed already, no tariffs on feed barley out of Ipswich. Agreed. I'm wrong. I'm utterly delighted to be wrong, because I see it as a very positive, assuming we don't go straight into some form of scrap with Europe. I hope there will be a little bit of leniency towards pressing the nuclear button, if you like. I think the biggest issue was that surplus of wheat in the autumn that was going to be grown, you know, 15 million tonnes and, and we use 14, you know, that surplus has now got somewhere to go. Yeah. Uh, which to me means ongoing cereal prices will be 
less of a risk to grow in the sense you, you're not just stuffed by lots of people saying, no, I don't need that last bit, you can let the price drop to the floor. It means that farmers therefore will grow more cereals. It means we've got a job. The grain trade has got more prospects for the future. But these tariffs can come in quickly. But I thought they were going to be there full stop regardless. So yeah, if, true, if they can yeah, come yeah. in quickly, we could maybe negotiate back down the there other There will way. be a negotiation, yeah. But that was the whole point of the deal or no deal scenario. We obviously got the deal out of it, which was, you know, saved our bacon. The no deal scenario is what we all feared, or I personally feared, yeah. for our trade. The most baffling part for me is why didn't, maybe it was all priced in, but why didn't sterling get as firm as, firm as hell on the back of it? I think sterling had already priced that in. It had got firmer. You're right, Ian. Sterling definitely got firm. The dollar has been weak throughout all of this, but I think that's a combination of people Trump, being shot in the Congress, Trump yeah. destroying the American Constitution. Did you watch that live last night? Did you watch any of that? I didn't. No. That was pretty scary. There was a load of you know yeah. armor-clad types walking around there, shouting strange things, and a picture of the bloke sitting in the chair with his feet on the desk. That's just amazing. It's oh, the, I haven't seen that. No, no, the heart of their parliament or their congress. Have been completely. Yeah, some of them just sat in the speaker's chair, whatever this, but not the speaker, is it? Whoever the top of the house. And this bloke sitting in there with his feet on the desk, just, you know, I've taken over sort there of face. Go, yeah, power to the people. Well, um, and Donald called them beautiful and said he loved them. And then said, we've got to go home, even though they've stolen from us. So, anyway, coming back <laughs> no, to I'm the deal. It's good. I think Sterling's in a good place but I still get the feeling that these markets and sterling especially currencies feel on a knife edge the smallest bit of news will tip them either way and I think the financial markets in London I don't think they've absorbed the full impact of this deal yet because I don't think the deal's that favourable to them in terms of passporting and how they do deals across Europe and I think as that comes through that could have a bigger impact on the UK economy. I don't know how, I mean, we haven't done any business abroad or we haven't sent any lorries across, but I don't know, has there been anything in the press about lorries held up with the wrong paperwork and the logistical sense of of the deal? Well, the the papers are full of the COVID lockdown, aren't they? But it appears, I mean, several firms avoided this week to do any movements whatsoever to avoid complete chaos certainly if there'd been chaos the media pack would have been down there taking pictures of it because you know, the media are loving anything that is sensational and they'll build it up to whatever they can i am quite certain there'll be conflict i'm quite certain there'll be you know there'll be a french strike any second yeah the thing that made me <coughs> chuckle a bit i shouldn't chuckle ben because this is your book but you were telling me the um the complexities of some organic products coming in and the system that the Europeans dropped. Just tell us a bit about this. I, I shouldn't laugh, but it was quite funny. As you can see, we're a good team at Jewing Grain. <laughs> and Ian likes to laugh at other people's misfortune. <laughs> yes, the organic system, in a nutshell, basically any organic goods that come into the UK, they all get registered on an EU system called Traces. And it's not a great system, but it's OK. And everyone in the organic supply chain can see these certificates of inspection which tell you where the goods have come from who's licensed them organic anyway lists it all that's fine and you know there's a lot of companies out there that use traces in the uk to bring goods in and you could all see a list of the cois so you know right okay these goods are coming in these goods are coming in that's all fine 31st of december at midnight the eu turned the uk off 
literally overnight, gone. You couldn't see anything. And classic European manoeuvre. These were goods that have already sailed, they've already been processed. So in theory, they are still registered under EU organic licences. But the EU just turned the system off to the UK. Classic. So how did you get around it? Well, luckily, and I will say this in terms of eating hats, DEFRA have stepped up to the mark and they have tried to unify Port Health and a few other government organisations to say, look, we need some leeway. But a lot of people hadn't realised that overnight traces was going to be turned off. In fact, no one did. DEFRA didn't tell us. Port Health didn't tell us. But leeway is there at the minute. Okay, so at the minute it's two weeks' worth or a month's uh, worth? I think, I think they're saying there's sort of <coughs> two months' grace. But um, And then what happens? We have to register it just under UK organic. Well, there, there'll be a GB. The irony is we're going back to a paper-based system, the UK is, and then there's a new system coming in called IPAFs. And I don't know how this system's going to go, but that's ongoing. And another thing, actually, I, is... IPAPs just raised a smile with Webby. Oh, here we go, yeah. <laughs> the other interesting one, actually, for our industry, but probably not on the pure cereal sector, are these rules of origin, mm-hmm. which makes sense if you're loading a wheat and barley boat out of England and you can certify that all the goods have come. But when you're making a biscuit and you're using UK soft wheat, but then you're using palm oil and soya, you know, I think those percentages have to be really careful because I think as soon as they go over a certain percentage, those goods can't be licensed as English. Okay. But those rules are very good. And I think the same will go for exporting of feed materials. Or th- This is where there is massive complication in our industry. Yeah, that's going to be tough. So then each product becomes weighted literally to their percentage of origin, I suppose. It's yeah. so, um, almost a mass balance calculation, isn't it? So what does it get called if you get some... Uh, can't use palm oil because that kills the planet, but... You know, you lovely can, rapeseed oil. Well, yeah, it probably will be rapeseed. It might readjust some of the products used in the UK, just for simplicity of, yeah, of production and exporting potentially. Okay, so a spin-off could be we get extra usage of UK agricultural product in foodstuffs. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I mean, this whole rules of origin and the weighting system, I haven't seen all the detail on, and I know there's a lot of detail being sorted out. AIC have actually held some webinars. I did one yesterday morning, and it was pretty good, you know. They tried to clarify the situation as much as they could, but they also accepted that they'd have to go back to DEFRA to get more answers. And as ever, I think this agreement, in principle, it's done and it looks good, but the devil is in the detail. It's a terrible saying. I am conscious of being a remoner. You know, I have been moaning. And have the Brexiteers won... Is this deal better than Theresa May's deal? Is this the deal the Brexiteers aspired to want? Or do they feel, where is the victory in it, is my point. I mean, the deal kind of appeases both sides, but then doesn't, because it's like, you know, as a Ramona, we've got a deal, we're still in, you know, still trading, comfortably tariff-free. We're still regulated just as much as we were. So you, you know, mean the a bit same... like here and saying, we won, really? Well, kind of neither side's got what they want, but they've... Also, both got what they want. You know, you're kind of... Yeah, well, the Brexiteers are probably pissed off because we haven't got complete severance, have we? Well, that's the point. The European law doesn't govern us, does it? European no, tariffs was, can influence us, but yeah. European law doesn't. That's so your question of, have we won... Well, everyone likes black and white now. Yeah, yeah, well, here's black and white then. <clears throat> we will know if we've won if the UK outgrows Europe economically. If we're now able to grow 
and outgrow Europe in terms of GDP or whatever else, that's a win. Yeah. Because we've left Europe and actually we'll be beating them. It depends how long that goes. Well, you know. And then other obvious losses would be, you know, what happens in that final financial sector. You know, that very much is in the eyes of the French to take control of that or try and limit the amount of European trade that London has on money. But also, Ben, that barometer is impossible because I think of the COVID influence. Now, that's so critical to how the economies deal with the next five years. And that will distort how the next five years worth of trade, surely. No, I disagree. I disagree. Well, we'll have to see. Now the UK is free of Europe, and this is what people wanted, can the UK now forge its own path and grow quickly and become more prosperous and do more out of Europe than we were doing in Europe? Is that not the moment the Europeans step in and put tariffs in and say, right, they had too good a deal? Well, we'll have them. Andrew, that's a comment you can make. But in terms of Ian's all COVID will affect it, yes, but COVID's affecting everyone. Here's the plus point where the UK is winning. We're actually vaccinating more than Europe. Yeah, we started two weeks earlier because we approved it two weeks earlier, which is, you know, okay, that now I have confidence in the UK scientific community to have done that, you know, correctly. So, yeah, very pleased to see that happening. We are well ahead. Will we still be ahead in three weeks' time? Oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I don't think Europe will catch us up on the vaccination now. We've got the Oxford Zenecas out today. That's, you know going everywhere it can. My wife applied to help with the vaccination, you know, looking for volunteers, and she got that famous 21-page form. And you have to have, a, you know, whatever your certificates of education and all sorts of stuff, and your last employers for the last 25 years, an unbelievable set of questions set by some moronic government pillock. Just, it completely nullifies any chance of there being lots of volunteers being able to do this quickly. It's Sorry, what was she volunteering to do to, to help? They were looking for volunteers to try and help with the oh, injecting. vaccination. Yeah, not necessarily injecting, but someone who, I don't know, pokes after the car park, whatever, yeah. whatever yeah. it takes, to have a big team of people doing something. It was a classic government, oh, civil servant yeah. moment where, you know, I mean, oh, no, we can't do that. You know, and obviously if someone was taken on, the press would slaughter them for taking on someone who's done something hideous 35 years ago or something. But the reality is they haven't gone out to pharmacies and said, look, You've got qualified staff instantly. You can do these set of people. They're going to be allocated to your pharmacy. You're up to date, tick, bang, have some stuff and just stick it in your mate's arms. Either way, we're getting out there quicker. I don't think we're going to be that well organised. I think we're going to be really cumbersome with it. I mean, and while I'm on a rant, you know, has anyone tried to go to the doctor recently? No. Well, if you're clapping the NHS... There's the odd doctor who gives a shit, but most of them are hiding behind some television screen. They, you can't get to see a doctor. They are not available. And, you know, okay. actually coming out and risking their lives by injecting people, they might have to do it. But they have been appallingly missing lots of them in this recent period. OK. That's a bit of a rant. That, that, and that's a bit <clears> of a sweeping <throat> statement. Well, anyway, good news, everyone will be clapping for Webby on Thursday. Clapping for their hero. Why? What's happening Thursday? Well, you know, it was clap for carers yeah. in the in lockdown one. Mm-hmm. Well, the woman that introduced that's now bringing it back, but it's now clap for heroes. So there yeah. you go. On Thursday. Essential workers, that's us. Exactly. Well, we've all got a letter saying we're essential workers. We wrote it ourselves, but in essence, we deliver feed grain to yeah. feed homes, to feed animals, to feed the nation. So we are, in fact, heroes. Yeah. All of you. All of you listeners out there in the agricultural sector, you're heroes. So don't bother to clap. Just sit there and nod your head and go, thanks, thanks very much, thank you. I'll make sure my wife claps for me, yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to teachers yet. Yeah, no. Okay. So, Ramona's Brexiteers, nobody's won. We should just go, look, we were wrong. Let's come back to that point. There's loser. Loser. We are, we've been very black about this whole process. And on the first reading of this, on the first few days, it is definitely, you know, a much more fluid trading place than I thought it was going to be. I await the French blockade of Calais with, uh, you know, I give them four months before they've done that. They will do that without any doubt. And that really will annoy everybody in this country. But history dictates that's what they'll do. I'm sure somewhere down there we can revisit it and say, see, we told you it'd be chaos if we get half a chance, because everybody wants to be right. But I, I, my instinct says, leaving Europe, the deal we've got as an independent trading nation with Europe, we were important enough for them to give us a better deal than I thought we were going to get. And that to me is, you know, looking back to that vote, it isn't as hideous as I thought it was going to be. Immediate thought. It's going to be very interesting to see what the sentiment of some of the other, like the Dutch example, that have never been completely wrapped up with the EU, quite what their sentiment is to how the UK deal with the next year. Because the House of Cards scenario is still quite a probable one, isn't it, surely? Well, that's when the tariffs start piling in. Your Juncker-type people are going to step up onto it. I watched a thing last night under the haze of drinking lots of whiskey, which I don't normally do, but... You know, let's cure COVID a different way. There's a thing about Greta Thunberg on there. Oh, what's that? Fascinating yeah, program. What well, really, really massive respect for her. Yeah. She knows what she's let herself in for. She's now she can't fly ever again. She's you know she's. Mm. There was a bit where she was in front of the European Union. She made a speech, and then Juncker responded, and he started droning on. She just took her earphones off, didn't she? Yeah, I yeah. loved her for that. So, and he was just doing that classic thing where you go, yes, well, very good of you young people to tell us these things, but you don't really understand. Brilliant. Absolutely awesome. The climate change thing, which was, how when was Greta's limelight? Was it 2019? <clears throat> yeah, two years ago. Yeah, two but, years ago. In, but, but it has been kind of forgotten a bit. COVID has overshone everything. Look, there's less planes in the sky. There's less... No one really gives a damn, do they? You look at the litter, look at... People are incredibly, us included, selfish. Our recycling is crap. We are... We're not up to it. And we're driving our cars and we're, you know, wasting the planet's resources without any doubt. Yeah. She's right. She is, yeah. How do you change it? This could be radical. It's got to come from government, hasn't it? And there's an opportunity for the UK government to reinvent the economy... In a green direction. Mm. You know, let's get battery-powered cars going. Let's have another car scrappage scheme. You know, house boilers and wood-burning stoves aren't the thing to target straight away. There are easier wins. Well, batteries on cars aren't the greatest thing, are they? No, they're not, no. I mean, hydrogen power is probably still a lot cleaner. And if you annihilate the car driver, there's lots of tax and lots of you know income for... Speed check people, aren't they? Oh, I saw the speed check lorry going out this morning. Oh, I'm obsessed. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. Annoyed me? Yeah, yeah. Lockdown, essential workers, let's catch them. Either way, the rural economy gets absolutely slaughtered and the city slicker still has his transport subsidised and, you know, it is a disproportionate tax once you start aiming at car drivers if you live in the countryside. You can't get around, you haven't got a shop on your doorstep, etc., so I think you're right, it's a government-led thing. Have you got the confidence in this lot to do that? 
No. And so, what you know, the next election, Boris won't be able to be on a one-focus thing, which, which had the country gripped, the get Brexit done. The next general election is going to be radically different, mm. isn't it? And in that period of time, if a green, if a credible green candidate came forward, they still wouldn't have a hope in hell because of the first-past-the-post system. True, yeah. I mean, all they could do is influence it, but, yeah. Unless you have a Greta Thunberg type who motivates the country to do... You know, potentially, in a three- to four-year period, which is what we've got, her rise to fame happened over two years. And, I mean, that girl sat outside the Swedish government building on her own with a placard saying school strike for climate change. And she's been everywhere around the world in front of every leader the hottest property to talk at things, amazing. Even that speech where lots of people took the mickey out of on Twitter with her how dare you speech. Yeah, of course, yeah. You know, when you watched it in the context of that programme last night, that was that was amazing. You really think, yeah, you're right, you're absolutely right. It's pretty remarkable as well from the age that she is. I forget how old, how old was Greta. Well, she's now 16, isn't she, or something like that. But, I mean, just as I say, in this country, a person with that... There are people who appear in movements. She's very much the head of the green movement in the world. But there's other people, you know, Martin Luther King in the past. There's various iconic Gandhi springs to mind. People appear from nowhere and they are so absolutely correct in their argument and so prepared to live the way they speak that they very quickly get lots and lots of followers. You could see that occur in that for you, but if the right person appeared. But, hey, chances of that, pretty low. In the UK at the moment, I would suggest. Anyway, with that, we haven't done a beer testing for ages. I know it's early in the morning, boys, but we're going to have to do it. I'd love to have a beer, actually. Well, okay, well, I'm going to, I've got some, because our favourite miller, everybody knows David Wright is our favourite miller, because he sends us beer regularly, and he's a lovely chap to us, and he's built that new mill just for us, which is really <coughs> kind of him. He sent us yet more beer, because he's got another brewery set up somewhere nearby. Oh. So I'm going to go and grab them while you oh, two lovely. witter on for a second. Right, oh, hang on. I know this beer. This, so this is actually, I've been a fan of this beer for a long time. Beaver Town Neck Oil. And <laughs> you I... haven't been to Beaver Town many times, have you, Ben? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Being a ginger. <laughs> oh, you just worry about long COVID making you fat, all right? <laughs> I'm a big fan of Beaver Town. Not that one, looks a bit um, weak. These look pretty cool. Josh would love these. No, no, I've... <clears throat> I mean, you won't remember, Ian, but I did recommend this to you about six months ago. Let's read the box. So, voted gold by the world's best beer judges, International Beer Challenge 2019. So, let's go through. So, we've got Neck Oil, which is a session beer. Gamma Ray, which I think is really strong and probably blows your head off. Yep, 5.4. And I've got Nanobot. And I believe Webby was. Oh, this is about right for you, Ben. 2.8. 2.8, yeah, that's that's for you, Ian. So what have we got here? Oh, five point four. So we've got the session one, the weak one for Ian, and the really heavy one for. You want a whole can? No, I've got to drive. I'll do a can. Maybe you'll do a can. I'll have a little bit of that one. Ben, you can have the little session one, two point eight. That's fine. Thank you. Right, so Andrew and I are just going to try the neck oil, which I really like. Ian's going to be on the floor, first sip of the five point four. Here we go. I don't know about you, but through the um, lockdowns, I mean, disappointing. I've been. Off the beers, generally drinking gin. The only gay in the village. <laughs> well, I've had a sip of neck oil, having had lots of drink last night. Yeah, that's rather pleasant, actually, isn't it? Mm, it's got a really Sh- nice aftertaste. Yeah. We're both talking about a beer we like now. Yeah. Webby's got, yeah. what's it called? Gamma Ray. 
It's really good. American Pale Out says, like it says on the tin. Yeah, really nice beer. Good summer beer. Perfect. Yeah, well, it actually snowed this morning in Norfolk. Mm. It didn't settle, did it? That was exciting. Well, well, Are we going to get some snow? <coughs> there was talk of climate change. I don't know if this is a Daily Mail, but another beast from the east, isn't there, supposedly? Who said that? Who actually said so that? A farmer mentioned it to me on the phone the other day. Why well, Are you looking at your weather map now? I'm not aware of a beast from the east coming, but if it is, that would well, be very exciting. Joe's been going on about this polar vortex for the past two weeks. Has he? Yeah. So what? He's obsessed with it. And what's he predicting? Well, he's predicting a polar vortex will come in and we will get possibly a beast from the east in the next couple of months. It may have been Joe then, rather than a farmer. Cause Someone no. did give bang on for quite a while about it the Do other day. He's saying Joe bangs on quite a while about polar vortexes. I haven't had the conversation. I think I might evoke it and then leave the office. <laughs> <laughs> so, polar vortex. Well, I think you better get Joe in to talk about it. He's looked at it in detail. Day After Tomorrow, that was the film, wasn't it? They had polar yeah, vortexes. Yeah, they had a polar vortex, yeah. Two polar vortexes. Ian's wife has a polar vortex every time he walks through the door. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> Very Harsh. Yeah. Um, well, we've missed each other, haven't we? Let's yeah. face it, we've had Christmas, we've got the start of the new year. Yeah, half of him turn and we start abusing each other. <laughs> yeah, get back to the... God. Is, if anyone listening is missing going to the pub with their mates where they just kind of just pull the mickey out of each other all yeah. the time. There's nothing more pleasurable in life, is I there? Say, I am already <laughs> looking forward to the summer. I just think this summer potentially mostly vaccined. I mean, unfortunately, just someone in the office mentioned to me yesterday the likelihood is the next time we'll all be in the office together will probably be harvest time. Sadly, that's the way how it feels, doesn't it? At the moment, but then let's say summer pubs will be open. We'll all come out of the well. I'll come out of the traps pretty hard, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Want to enjoy the summer? Might not be a lot of get a lot of use over harvest, but yeah, no change there then. <laughs> I think uh, it's a surprise that there hasn't been the announcement of Web Child Two because of all this lock-in. She hasn't been able to get away from him. Actually, right. Is number two on the way? No, oh. he's not. Yeah, he's yeah. not yet. He's like, is it a panda that mates every... (laughs) Mates very rarely, and it's always quite difficult. (laughs) Eats shoots and leaves. (laughs) That's about right. (laughs) Actually, you're looking like a panda, Webby. (laughs) I think... I think this is going to be far too much for this podcast. So with that, <laughs> yeah. I think, everybody, we are so happy to be back. And uh, I hope you've missed us like mad. And uh, you can't get much more upbeat than this week's market report. And yeah. uh, welcome back to the Pleasure Dome, everybody. Thank you very much. Cheers. And thanks for the beer, David. Yep. Thanks, David. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.